Things are different now in the park. You assholes have your freedom. The stakes here are real now. And I'm gonna burn it all to the ground. All while listening to the Unsportsman. Uh, this is episode 48. That's uh, right, 48. You two famous 48-year-old porn stars you still like? 48. Oh, um, that's easy. She's conservative <laughs> as hell, but I still really like her. Um, be than uh, Brandy, Brandy Love. Good. What's the question? 48-year-old famous porn 48 stars year old that you're into still. Mm. I think Lisa Ann is 47 at the moment. Jessica James has got to be like 48, right? Possibly. I thought she was like late. Jenna Jameson. Also Jenna go. Jameson. She's yeah. probably 48. Good Classic. job, guys. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Uh, we're going, and it's the month of May now when we're recording. That's right. Uh, recently, I was hyped on the NFL draft. Remember that last week? I remember you doing that. Well, then it happened. Yes. And I'm really hurt. I was really pulling for the Browns, and they they let me and everyone in Cleveland. Can you down. remind me one more time? I wanted them to make good moves and make yes. splashes, and they didn't do that. They didn't. With the first pick in the NFL draft, they picked the most punchable face in college football, and with the fourth pick, they picked a pretty good cornerback. He's good, but they just This is not up. going to reform the team the way you had hoped for them that it no, would have No, no. I mean, and they had a fairly good draft. All the way. That's not the point. They really let me down with those first and fourth picks. Well, it's a good thing they're not your team. Yeah, yeah, but I don't care. I care about people. Don't, like, don't you know that? I care. I want them to be okay. Is this a 120? What? <laughs> <laughs> Mike's in a mood. Have you guys ever Mike let anybody down away from here? Because you let me down every fucking week, Mike. <laughs> Michael Garcia, hater. Yeah. Is there another time other than at this podcast where you let people down? Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to tell you a story that I don't think I've ever told anybody before. Oh, these are my shits. I love yeah, this. Yeah, and it's sports related. Uh, junior high, eighth grade, football team. Yes. Uh, I was a cornerback on the defense. We were 8-0. Nice. We only got scored on once. All season in the 8-0. All season, and it was the last game that we had that one touchdown scored on us, and that one touchdown was was my fault. Of course. Um, game's happening, uh, a short little pass over the middle, uh, I end up hitting the guy causing a fumble, we get the fumble, good thing happens, right? Uh, about a quarter later, same play pretty much, I go in for the same hit, hoping for the same result, and he bounces off me, he makes the catch and he bounces off me and goes for the touchdown, our only fucking score, and I felt so bad, I felt really bad. Um, first, I mean, as a kid, you're kind of selfish and first you're thinking like, are they going to make fun of you about it? But we ended up winning. And so we were fine. Winning eight to seven or like, no, we killed them. Yeah. We, we were really good. We were really good. Um, and we were undefeated. So because of that, it got lost in the shuffle. But to this day, I always remember that the one score we had on my, the last time I was really serious about football, because in high school I wasn't really. Yeah, yeah that's mm. a real bummer, man. I'm yeah. sorry you had to suffer through hey, that. I want to apologize to my team if any of you guys are listening. If any of you guys are out there yeah. listening, I'm sorry. Just know. He I know feels you've been bad waiting. about it. You've been waiting for that. Josker Joseph Herrera. Yes, I am Josker Joseph Herrera. I do, uh, I do remember letting somebody down. Um, I'm not happy about it, as I'm sure nobody is, but mm. this involved. Um, a young lady I was in a romance with, 
in my sophomore year of college. Okay. Um, we were trying to find each other, and this was before the days of uh, cell phones. Mm-hmm. You know, but I had a pager because everybody did. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, um. Anyway, it was New Year's Eve. I had agreed with my improv troupe in college. This sounds so fucking cool, by the way. To go do street improv um, in Pasadena on New Year's Eve. With the intention of doing that, I still wanted to be in the arms of my girlfriend and kiss her at midnight. Uh, well, we didn't find a place to start performing until about 11.25 p.m. And that's finding parking, which was a nightmare. Finding a place in the street to perform improv. And we did a bunch of short form, and it was no good. And But it was a fun experience. And then back in the car, racing back to Whittier. Needless to say, I didn't make it. But I did kiss her at 12.45. Not as good. No, not no. at all. That no. was your uh, touchdown. One touchdown in a season. That was pretty brutal, man. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Oh, is that what it felt like? And you you could Ugh. have waited. You should have just waited on the hour, because then you could have at least said the line of, like, it's midnight somewhere. Uh-huh. But you can't mm. do that on the 45. Can't yeah. do it on the 45. No. What about you, Garrett? What do you think? Oh, thanks for sending it over, Joe. That was really cool. I'm Garrett Kirby. Um, yeah, I uh, when I was young, we, we've spoken about this before, you guys, but I was super religious. I, w- I worked in the church. I remember you telling me that. Didn't do anything bad ever, except a little bit. But uh, but I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't party. I was just making movies with my friends on weekends. That's all we ever wanted to do was make movies. Right. <clears throat> and uh, like I must have been 18 or 19 and uh, still working in the church, still super Christian. My mom's a very proud woman, <laughs> proud of me. And she gets a hold of my, f- my friend Pat, is puts on a VHS, and they are watching some of the movies we made. And they come across this uh, comedy where one of my friends who isn't a Christian, but I'm supposed to be witnessing to, <laughs> in this scene, it's a very graphic sex scene with a couch. And it's a comedy, and he's the couch pregnant, but he's going so hard at the couch. <laughs> I can see it right like you now. Put, you, put the, you put the effort into that performance. <laughs> no, Wait, I was I was. You directing. were the couch fucker? I you directed directing. couch fucker. My friend was making sweet love to the couch, and it was really graphic. <laughs> it, was, it was really graphic. It was was like, that the title of the movie? It was like Jizz and Water, but in a couch. The, no. Or a couch fucker. What did you call it? I don't, it well, that wasn't the name of the movie. That was just a couch scene. Fucker. And she saw it, and I walked in after she saw it, and she turned around, and there were tears in her eyes. And she goes, I've never been disappointed in you before. Was it her I'm couch? so disappointed. No, it, okay. it's about her son. Directing couch, movies. the couch fucker. Yes, and I believe he was yelling, I'm fucking you, couch, or something like that. It was super <laughs> graphic. <laughs> it was so nasty, you guys. And she was really disappointed. So you I need really to find that video. Uh, you need to find it. Or you need to burn it. <laughs> Hey guys, love the show, but I got a rant about the hate box topic that you had on last episode. Look, the, the idea of someone standing in a parking spot is is got to be the most infuriating thing I could possibly imagine. But, I mean, really? You're going to be that guy who's just like, screw it, screw it, and, and pull into the spot and physically move someone with your car? You're going to be that guy who, who drives the, the tank over the hippie? I mean, is that who you are, Hater Marcus Sia? Hater, hater, why can't I say that fast? Hater Mike Garcia? Is that who you are? Are you a murderer? No, I think you're someone who believes in karma and you just have to you just have to hope karma comes back around and they end up a, a hood ornament or roadkill, you know, from someone else. I mean, be better than that. That was a un- unsportsman listener 
uh, on Instagram, he's called Zach and Cheese. Uh, uh-huh. We know him as Zach C because he's sent us messages before. Yeah, he's yes. a little bit of a stalker issue, but like, bit. let's talk about what he said. How do you yeah, feel about it? Yeah, this one's aimed at me. This one's aimed right at me. Right at you, man. And 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 I gotta be honest completely. When I first the words that started coming out of his mouth electronically mm-hmm. made me angry at first that somebody would question my hate box or question my hate because that's one thing you don't do to anybody. You don't question their hate. Don't ever question their hate. That's so is this going to drive you to move him with your car? Hold on. It infinity wars it. You infin- you're going to throw a, a yeah, there's moon a- at him? <laughs> don't, don't you I'm not going to spoil shit. I'm just going to say he changed my mind. All right. He laid out the repercussions of me hating. Sometimes I don't think about that. I see a piece in your eyes. And he's right. I could have hurt somebody. I could have killed her. And then I go to prison. So thank you, Zach and Cheese, for making me see the evil of my hate. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna think hate. I'm gonna think about my hate before it comes out. Thank you. All right. Uh, and if you want to send a message to us at any time, any of us, all of us as a group, if there's something we say that you disagreed with or liked a lot and want to back us up, you can either uh, send us an audio message, a written message on Instagram or Twitter. We check both quite often. Yeah. Or leave a note on our door. Or we also have a Facebook page. Yeah, one of those. Hey everybody, it's that time of the show where three hosts take 120 seconds each to talk about something that's going on in the world. It's keeping it 120. Guys, we are all big fans of Westworld here. Yes. I don't know if you are aware of the... Uh, we all remember the, the photo that were, that flipped off Abernathy in the first yeah, episode, right? that's right. Mr. Abernathy kind of was never the same after yeah. that. Yeah, it was a picture of a woman in front of New... In Times Square. That's right. Um, and as you remember, when Dolores would see it, she would say... Doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah, so that's where all that comes from. Now... What's interesting is once people started watching the show and started doing research and started coming up with theories, somebody found out that that photo was actually a stock photo. Like a Getty Images photo? Yeah, it was a Getty stock photo. So they didn't, they didn't cast an actress to play the character who is Juliet, the sister of Logan, wife of William, who is the man in black. The man in black. So she's a character that could have possibly been in the show. Anyways, they ended up getting a stock photo, which was weird in the first place. It yeah, gets just, weirder. They didn't just tire like a day player. Or it something. gets weirder after the season one, premi- season two premiere because right. we got to see the wife of the man in black, as we saw in one of the scenes. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh-huh. Uh, in one of the parties, uh, she's she's there. She's there. It's the same woman. It's the woman that was in the photo. The woman that was in the stock photo track- is an actress, and now she is actually playing the role of Juliet, who she was in the picture. So, now, okay. it gets weirder. Now, the photographer that is credited on the website with taking the photo, his name is Eric Von Weber. Now, if you know one of the very important characters in Westworld, Jeffrey Wright plays Arnold Weber. Now, sure, that could be a coincidence, but if you dig a little deeper and you look at the other pictures on his profile, they are pictures of horses, cowboys, and most recently and interestingly, samurais. Are you suggesting that we're at the precipice of unfolding a great J.J. Abrahams mystery? It seems like, yeah. His magic is and working. And there was no 
marketing or Nothing. anything to lead to this, this is just one of those things that popped up it's like last year when we found out about the contract where they could use dna up, is this theory picking up steam it was on huffpo it's all over reddit people are kind of flipping out about it so i don't know the significance of it yet i don't know if it if, if even there is any significance it could be just one of those things the producers were like hey let's fuck with people right either way i'm down with it cool move Guys, I don't know if you heard about over the weekend, every year the White House Correspondents Association throws this big, huge gala, and then, you know, members of the press are there, and usually the president is there along with his uh, hit administration, you know, key points of his administration. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember back in 2006 when Stephen Colbert infamously roasted George W. Bush as he was sitting right there, and the folly of the White House Correspondents Association hiring Colbert because they assumed he was exactly like his persona on the Colbert Report. Little did they know, he's actually Stephen Colbert pretending to be basically making fun of them. Well, cut to 2018 over the weekend. Uh, Michelle Wolf was invited. Uh, she was a Daily Show correspondent. She was invited to um, basically roast everyone in attendance, and she did just that. And the response... Uh, from the GOP was overwhelmingly negative. Not now, just Mike, the GOP. I, like gonna, even some mainstream media is like piling on her. For once, yeah. Mike yeah. has read the same media that I have read. <laughs> the White House Correspondents uh, Association went for it against Michelle Wolf, saying that this is not the kind of show that we really want to do. We want everybody to have a good time. They hired a comedian to roast. She's got everybody. She's got. And her she's material got specials was, out. She's, yeah. She writes on shows. You know who Michelle Wolf is. Yeah. When you hire her. You know exactly who it is. The president uh, was not a, a fan. And today is Tuesday. We're still going to, we're waiting at least 24 more hours until Dennis Miller has a comeback response for Michelle Wolf. Ooh, it's a battle. Yeah. Well, he tweeted on Saturday saying that I'm going to come up with a really good one on Wednesday. Um, so. She also responded today and said that if she could go back, she wouldn't change one thing, which Good for I her. respect. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to a podcast called Criminal. Have you guys heard of this? What's it about? It's about different crimes oh. all throughout history. Uh, Is they it one of those like serial ones or it's all different? But they're, they're non-sequential. They're okay. Not, they're, uh, and this one was about uh, the Big Lick. Have you ever, ever heard of this? Not that It horse. is a horse prance. And they do competitions with this. And uh, the Tennessee Walking Horse is specific to it. It's an 11-day event. They've done it every year since the late 30s. And the way you get these horses to do this is by uh, what's something called soaring the horse. Um. So you put kerosene or mustard oil or other substances on their ankles and then it bakes into their skin and they're Jesus. in so much pain that their legs kick up. What this has been happening for fuck? generations. And the USDA has been inspecting them. They have been training these horses to not show pain. They teach them not to flinch by whipping and burning and stuff like that. So when they're inspected, they don't flinch. Uh, other ways they do it is by putting golf balls in between their hooves and the shoes. Jesus. And uh, it is really, really sad. And people who have opposed them, like got out of the, the organizations, right. have had assass assassinations, uh, like threats on their families. There's there's so many things. Uh, I'll put a link up to this episode because this first of all this podcast is amazing. I don't know if I'm I'm yeah. not supposed to advertise no, for him. But, I agree. But this is this is a really great show. And this episode was so crazy. There was a guy really quick. 
named Marty Irby, who grew up in it. He's about our age, and he grew up in it. He was always doing it. In 2003, he was a world champion. 2011, he was the president of the main organization, and he realized that he had been raised wrong, and it was in his brain, and he loved these horses so much. He got out and turned against them. He had to move to a safe house, and now he leads the Humane Society's uh, equine protection uh, organization, and he's got acts passed and stuff like that. So the horse mob is for real. It is. Is it? I mean, it's so jaw-dropping, and... Just really quick, in 2006, the final event was canceled when all of the horses were disqualified, and the fans and the owners almost rioted, demanding that the disqualified horses, for doing it for for abuse, yeah, for abuse, and they almost they rioted. Uh, it, it's like it's like a culture where people still defend it, and they're like, "This is this is the way it is." I love horses; I would never do that, but they're all doing it. Who knew the big lick would be just as addictive as Texas high school football? Now it's keeping it 120. Get out of your bubble and go see the rest of the fucking world. Yay, it's a scramble. One of the things that we all aim to do as people, hopefully, is see places where you, that are different from where you live. Travel. See yeah. the world, right? Exactly. Um, it's supposed to make you a better person. You become more knowledgeable. You become, you well become rounded. more well-rounded. Yes. Now, me, personally, I wouldn't say that I've traveled a whole bunch all over the globe, but I, uh, we've talked about me working for the NBA uh, a few times here. I got to work with them for 10 years, so I got to travel all over the U.S. There you go. Um, and saw, a lot, saw all the big cities and also some of the not-so-big cities that, are, that have a lot more personality than you would think. Um, what about you guys? Do you guys travel? When you say personality, you yeah. said it with a weird tone. Yeah. Do you mean racist? Would you like? No, 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 not at all, not at all. Uh, although that, yeah, some places are like that. I mean, but that I grew is up an in Texas, of so it's like, yeah. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, have either of you been to Colorado? Yes. Airport. Okay, big airport in Denver. Huge. Great airport. Great airport. All the uh, the planes hanging in there and everything. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's a museum. It's an actual museum. Very I don't know if you knew cool. that or not. No, I was at the bar. But a little, say about 40 or 50 miles outside of Denver is a town called Greeley, Colorado. Yes. And one year we had an event at uh, at the State Fair of Colorado there. They're having the State Fair there, so that should tell you about something about Greeley, Colorado. Now, the thing about Greeley, Colorado is it's a slaughterhouse town. Cows? Cows. Okay. Now, there's something they called, uh, I think they, they called it uh, uh, blooding. Um, so blood every Wednesday, bloodletting, every Wednesday was when they did the bloodletting. And when we got there, it was a Wednesday. And I remember getting to the town and getting out of the car and the smell was unbelievably rancid mm-hmm. and just something I had never experienced before. And I asked a local and they told me every Wednesday they blood they bloodlet all of the slaughterhouses in Greeley, uh-huh. and so it fills the air basically for like three days. Can you taste the metal? You your... can taste the metal every Jesus. Wednesday for three days. Every Wednesday, so, like yeah, it's like it's like half of the time that you live there. Okay, <laughs> so so that's what I mean by personality, like something very interesting about that town. Have you guys ever traveled to maybe some small towns or towns that had something interesting like that? Oh, absolutely. My getaway spot is in Blythe, California, which is Where pretty is much it's right on the east of California. It's the last town. If you take the ten, mm-hmm. uh, the I the internet the I interstate ten. East. So I've been to Blythe. You've been through Blythe. Okay, yeah. You pissed at the Arby's. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. He loves Arby's. 
Sorry about that. I do love Arby's too. That was genuine. Well, have you heard the new commercials? The new Arby's. If you've heard one, hero. When he does it, sorry, I'm go. I get, I get worked. I haven't heard those commercials yet. Now I want to hear one. You've heard some of the Ving ones. We've talked about them before. Have we talked about them? We I have need the meats. No, but he has okay. a new one where he interrupts the song to go, hero. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The one word. <laughs> yeah. like, now yeah. I want to hear this. Yeah, it's not bad. Now I really want to I'll send you the mixtape. You'll have to send it to me. Okay. Sorry. Blythe. Well, Blythe is where? Blythe, oh, California. Yeah. Blythe, California. Yeah. So uh, my house is actually not in the town of Blythe. <laughs> my <It's> wife. 15 <laughs> minutes. My house. My house is 15 miles out of town. In out the, of Blythe. Out of Blythe. Okay. Yeah. In the middle of the desert. Right along the bank of the river. Um, and, uh, yeah, small town mentality is much different than that in the big city. Yeah. Actually, my neighborhood in East L.A. has a small village mentality. You know, we all gather around the same Catholic Wait, church. what was the weird, interesting thing about Blythe? Yeah, I thought we were. Blythe? Well, shoot. <laughs> Wait, are you going to start thinking right now? <laughs> no, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Wouldn't it, ask if you've been to a place. Yeah, that was, was the like, question, <laughs> and you brought up Blythe. I did bring up Blythe. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> well, let me see. There's got to be something. Uh, I'll tell you, I've been to a big town that I thought was super weird. Yeah. Tell me. I went to uh, Boston. Uh-huh. Have you guys been to Boston, Massachusetts? Yeah, it's a weird town, yeah. Uh, and racist. You brought up racist earlier. It no, is, that was what that was Boston my whole point. Boston is I, I known wanna, to be racist. I don't want to smear campaign it, but like that's no. my greatest memory is that they were homophobic and racist, yeah. and it was like and no everyone diners. knows, and you're just like okay. And yeah. no diners. There are no diners there. No diners. Why not? No diners. Why? What uh, are you talking about? Well, I, I've spent some time in Boston here and there too. Yeah. I've, gone, I've I've traveled myself as a producer. I'll travel to different towns to do pickup shoots and this and that. Um, and I did one, uh, in Boston and then I, I met a, I met a young lass and I kind of spent time with her there, uh, throughout the year. It's just interesting that you would notice a place doesn't have diners. I think he's because a diner I wanted, guy. Cause I wanted you, to go to a diner. Oh, you were looking diner. for a diner. Yeah. I wanted to go to a diner. Did somebody her. specifically tell you, oh, we don't. We don't have. She what's did. a diner? Because some places, she did. like maybe they don't call them diners. Do they call them something else? Maybe. Well, I think she would have known what it was. No, but I it was like, I just need. I just want to go to a diner right now. And she was like, oh, We don't really have diners. We don't have because I was hungry and it was like That's late weird. at night. And I'm like, Y'all don't got diners out here? And that really kind of like it. It kind of. I don't know me if you could trust the town without diners. Well, just outside is Waterford. And they're the home of diners. They invented diners there. Really? Isn't that where the that sounds like it's really close to or Boston. The, the Boston bombers? Isn't that where they got? Oh, that's what it was. It where he was in the yeah, boat. It wasn't diners. It was bombers. Sorry. Okay. Well, no, I you know I should have asked her about that. Diners and bombers are in the uh, Japanese baseball championship game, by the way. <laughs> diners and bombers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yes, towns are cool. Love those things. <laughs> well, okay. One of the worst nights of my life was spent in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, I've never it been to Idaho. Absolutely one of the worst nights of my life. I will love this story if there's a point to it. Yeah. No. Okay. So again, production. Uh, uh-huh. I had been awake for about. No, 26- he doesn't mean find it along the way. He means <laughs> you got to go right to the point. All right. It was cold as hell, and I woke up in Montana. <laughs> At the time. Uh, so I was dressed for Montana weather, not Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And I froze my ass off, and then I was awake for another 23 hours before I landed in Seattle. Hey. Ooh. Look at you. Got all excited. Seattle and Arby's are my two things. You love them. I'm scary. 
most of the sports knowledge that I have inside of my head is a bunch of obscure facts. For example, okay. do you know that there is a gentleman that has a 1,000 batting average? Uh, That's right. He has a 1,000 batting average. His name is Eddie Gadell. Okay. He is also on record as being the shortest man ever to have uh, batted in a Major League Baseball game. Oh, my gosh. Yes. He has How have I never stats. heard of this person? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he only made one plate appearance. <laughs> he made okay. one plate appearance. And you don't read a lot. I don't read good mm. and a lot. Right. I think we can both agree that. Uh, one word, a lot. We can both agree that uh, they're both are accurate. Just so you guys know at home, Mike held up two fingers to <laughs> signify that a lot is two words. Like, I didn't know. Garrett, That's the fucking held, joke, He held Mike. up three. <laughs> this is the obscurity report. Let's get obscure. Yeah. So, Sauce, so I'll tell you this. <laughs> in, on Sunday, August... Well, I'm telling you because Mike already knows the story. Mm-hmm. So I'm not telling him anything obscure. I'm telling him common knowledge. But to you, this is obscure. So on Sunday, August 19th in 1951, the St. Louis Browns manager, Bill Veek, sent Eddie Geidel, standing three foot seven inches, officially the shortest MLB player of all time. His jersey number was one over eight, one eighth, when the jersey was actually for a nine-year-old bat boy. He went up to the plate and he was ordered by Veek do not even think about swinging at a pitch. As a matter of fact, I got a sniper in the building across. These are like real words that Veek said, Bill Veek said to Eddie Goodell. I have a sniper in the next building. If you look like you're thinking about taking a swing, we will take, we will shoot you. Mm-hmm. So Eddie Goodell, who was actually a... Uh, he was shoot no- your little ass. That was <laughs> That's what they said. This is bullying. Yeah. Well, uh, Eddie Goodell went with, uh, he trained with somebody to like get the, at least the proper stance. And he stood at the plate, and then he abandoned what he had learned and instead prefer, took his preferred Joe's DiMaggio stance. Mm-hmm. And the first two pitches were legitimate attempts at strikes. Both were too high. And then the last two pitches, the pitcher just kind of laughed and tossed two more half-speed whatevers, walked Eddie Goodell, and then he was instantly replaced by a pinch runner. And that is the baseball career of Eddie Goodell and the St. Louis Browns. You get a you bat a thousand if you walk. Well, his contract was revoked uh, the following day. Um, Bill Veek filed his contract on Friday, knowing that nobody was in the commissioner's office was going to review it until Monday, and the game was that Sunday. So we got him in the books, right under the radar. And then because of this, now all signed players have to be approved by the commissioner before they can play. Wow. Okay, now I don't, I don't know this, and maybe you might know this, Joe, but is Eddie Goodell the inspiration for Moonlight Graham? I don't think so. What is I don't it, think Eddie Goodell went Field off. Field of Dreams? And, Moonlight Graham is the, he's he's like, a he's the minor Bert, league Bert player. Lancaster, who yeah. he had one major league plate appearance. And got a hit. So no, that was his dream. He made it. He went to the. Oh, outfield. he never got an. He at-bat. never got. A, he was in that bat on deck circle. Yeah, when the game ended, he never got an at bat. Right. Um. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you yeah, see yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah no. And so it's kind of the same story. It's very similar. So I was wondering if maybe they well, got it from there. No. In this case, Bill Veek was a showman, and he the he was known for doing these kind of elaborate things. This story was actually this stunt. Because a lot of people called it a stunt, which yeah. it was. Three foot seven, actually, you said, right? That's how tall the guy was. It's that big. 
Yeah. He's pulling his, he's putting two <laughs> fingers and pulling them apart. <laughs> Uh, this is actually inspired by a short story of kind of the same setup. But in the short story, the uh, little person could not help but take a swing at the 3-0 and pitch. And then he grounds out and the team loses. That's in the story. In this case, Eddie Goodell stuck to his word, did not swing, got the walk. Therefore, the 1,000 betting average. That is obscure. Or maybe it's... He, I guess he, it wouldn't be. I guess it wouldn't be betting average. It would be on-base percentage. Yeah. 1,000 on-base percentage would be sauce, zero. It's, which it still yeah. is. And he deserved that zero batting average. Uh, his entire career was one at bat. He continued to do some uh, promotions for Veek uh, yeah. a few seasons after that. Um, unfortunately, in June 18, 1961, he had just turned 36 years old. He was a bowling alley in Chicago where he grew up, and it was his hometown yeah. Uh, he got followed home, and somebody beat him to death. No. Yeah. Yeah. His mother discovered his bed, him in his bed, and later the coroner discovered that he had also suffered a heart attack. So while somebody was beating him to death, his heart failed. This is supposed to be a fun show, guys. That's why I wanted to end it on that one, because of that face. But this yeah. is, goes even more. Upon inspection, they found the weapon. And it was the same baseball bat that he Stew. held. <laughs> <laughs> Stew. Rest in peace. Do, do you feel that I'm being free and I'm thinking free? I, I, actually, I actually don't think you're thinking anything. I think what you're doing right now is actually the absence of thought. And the reason why I feel like that it's because, because Kanye, Kanye, you're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to believe whatever you want. But there is fact and real world, real life consequence behind everything that you just said. And while you are making music and being an artist and living the life that you've earned by being a genius, the rest of us in society have to deal with these threats to our lives. We have to deal with the marginalization that has come from the 400 years of slavery that you said for our people was a choice. Frankly, I'm disappointed, I'm appalled, and brother, I am unbelievably hurt by the fact that you have morphed into something, to me, that's not real. That was TMZ's Van Lathan giving uh, some lip service to Kanye West after a weird, uh, another in a series of weird rants in a weird week. He doubled from Kanye down. Kanye West, yeah. He absolutely um, doubled down. Kanye has gotten so off the charts weird that we're doing something we have never done in the history of our show. We're talking about the same topic twice, uh, two shows in a row. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess if anybody was going to do this to us, it would have been Kanye West. I really thought. Uh, uh, Lon- Lonzo Ball's dad would be the first one to make us do it, but yeah. we we refrained. And this is like this is too real. Oh, if the Lakers were in the playoffs, maybe. In case you've uh, been underwater or in a cave, uh, the last week or so, Kanye West has all of a sudden become a a, a, a hardy Trump supporter. Yes, very um, vehemently, and he's taking uh, he's taking the route of saying, "What's wrong with expressing myself? I'm allowed to express myself." Uh, and he's posting t- uh, conversations, uh, text conversations with other people that are reaching out to him and just trying to like, just talk a little sense into him and just, you know, whereas he's of the perspective like, what's going on? No. Uh, in that same TMZ clip earlier, he's ta- he's referring to how old school hip hop will refer to Trump in a positive light. Mm-hmm. 
and he's still refers to him, and he considers himself to be part of that culture. That's not what I have a problem with. I mean, I understand that it's confusing, and uh, it is an issue, but him supporting Trump is just is just weird. I, when he says that black people need to get over slavery, it was 400 mm, years, it was huge a choice. Hits. Yeah. Sounds like a choice to me. That is. His exact quote. When you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. That is so ignorant and detached from... It's dangerous. It's dangerous because he's so influential in what he says. There are so many, not just black kids, there are kids of all colors that love Kanye West and want to grow up and be like Kanye West and be able to have the freedom to talk like Kanye West. So when Kanye says stuff like this, it betrays that trust because he he's he thinks he's speaking from a place of the black experience and being black. And well, yeah, granted, he is black, but he's not the typical black person. He's a billionaire. Well, he used to be. He wasn't always rich, but he wasn't uh, this. He was crazy. Who was he? No, who was he, though? I don't know. Who was he at, at 18 years old, at 20 years old, before he was huge? Was he this person hiding? I mean, you you have to think that he was. he's from Chicago. He had real-life experiences. How does he not know? It's Okay, to your point, it's contradictory because you can't hate George W. Bush and love Donald Trump. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. If anything, right. it would be maybe the other way yeah. around. But <laughs> if you don't like George Bush... Donald Trump is ten times worse than George Bush. Bush wasn't as malicious. He was. Yeah, he, his words were more guarded. He could have been racist, but he never gave flagrant examples of how bad he was. This this man we're talking. You guys got me talking about Trump now. This, this is a horrible human, and I don't understand. So where is this coming from? Where, especially just kind of out of the out of the blue, and well, there has been talk already about Kanye has albums coming out, and so he gets in these newsworthy. Exactly. Yeah, he's manipulating the media. Let's not kid ourselves, okay? But I also believe he and Trump are friends. Oh, absolutely, are they friends? Yeah, and he considers him. He considers Trump to be a peer. Kanye yeah. loves reality very, TV stars. Yeah. He does. He <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Uh, he also feels that he relates to Trump. Trump is a very wealthy, powerful man. That's what it is. Kanye doesn't see himself eye to eye with anybody unless they're at his level. Notoriety, wealth, power. That is kind of the way you can look at it. I mean, look how he, he chose, he chose a wife that is, was the biggest social media star on the planet. Of course. And how apropos. Didn't you, when you found out that they were going to get married, didn't you kind of say oh, to yourself, yeah, was, like, why perfect. didn't they just do this in the first place? It's perfect. Yeah. This is amazing. Why did they both, why did, why did she have to go through three marriages just to find a perfect soulmate? Yeah, <laughs> and, and I don't know any of those people personally, but it just, they have a show and you can, you can step and watch their lives for each episode at a time. And Joe has worked on their show. I have, have worked you? on their show. The Kardashians? Yeah, and, yeah and, and, and all of them seem to be just really infatuated with the idea of fame. And or that seems to be. I'll tell you my take. Here's my take: Kim Kardashian, lover or hater, is a master at social media because she's not famous for doing any. She's famous for doing absolutely. She's famous for being nothing. Famous. She's yeah. She released a porn. People are like, oh, she released a porn, a uh, sex tape, and all that. You know what? That might have jump started everything, but she's still in the conversation. If she tweets anything out, it gets fifty million 
retweets and all that. Say what you will about, okay, it's a bunch of dumb kids. That's what people are focusing on these days. And as a result, Kanye is also no idiot when it comes to manipulating social media. Do you think he's Andy Kaufmaning? No, Andy... Mm-hmm. I think there's a level of that. I, th- I think this is performance uh, art. Yeah, I, I think, think this is. I think this like is promotional. That. I think this is exactly what you're saying, Sauce. That he has albums coming out. He was fucking. He like gave up Twitter for a while. But he I just, don't think. I don't think it's as focused. Uh, it's as focused for him. I think Garrett's onto something in that. I think that's just who he is. It's not sure he has albums coming out, but he just needs it. Even if there wasn't an album coming But he out. lost 8 million followers in like an hour after doing the, the MAGA hat thing. So that, he had to expect that, right? So, But maybe he, how many did but he But look at all the new the, love he's getting. Yeah. <laughs> from all these, you know. Now, the there's a theory kicking use around. his love. There's a theory kicking around. I just heard about this tonight and it fucking blew my mind. Uh, because, holy fuck, what have we gotten ourselves into now? Mike Pence does not want to be on the, the VP ticket when Trump gets reelected. So Trump would replace Mike Pence with Kanye West. Trump West 2020. And then afterwards, Kanye will run in 2024. Is, is it the end of politicians? No. I think it's, it's a an evolution. I think it's going to, it's a reset. It's like, we're, we're seeing the damage that can be done when you don't pay attention to what's important. And for, for celebrities, being in the news all the time and doing things that are that are newsworthy or, or yeah that's what's important but to politicians like being able to know your job and know what's best for your country and know how to make those things happen are what's important and clearly Donald Trump and nobody is his administration know how to do that I mean I think the writing was on the wall for a while we we're headed in this direction this making po- making politics a uh, popularity contest yeah. we're this headed might in this direction be for applicable. a while in sixth grade, I ran for student body council. Won by a landslide? I ran for vice president. Why would and I you was run working for that? Because I didn't want to be number one. Because you didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to really Go do ahead. anything. Uh, and so I uh, was working on my speech, and my mom was like, what are you doing? You're, why are you being so goofy? And I was like, I'm not going to say anything real. These are uh, the, the school votes on this. This is third through fifth grade, sixth graders, you got to be funny so they remember you. You got to be crazy. So I did all this wild stuff and I won. By a landslide. Yeah. And I was going against a twin and a twin, president, vice president. I took the vice Holy presidency. Holy fuck. Yeah, crazy, right? You fucked up their regime. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, the point is, like, you ju- like people, in especially today's day and age, they're seeing you all the time, right? That you're Like, his tweet, are everywhere he's on tv everywhere before this that's how he won he's just just be the most memorable he's taking advantage of the new media which means kanye could for sure yeah but kanye lost half the black vote today well no he lost eight million i'm I'm saying voters if he was gonna run it's like black people are not gonna vote for him how half yeah with donald trump that's crazy or 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 how about this what if he helps make Trump's campaign more person of color friendly? What if that's his platform? Nobody can help. What if we haven't learned anything? Nobody can help Donald Trump do anything because it's always going to be Donald Trump that decides what happens and how it gets done. And that's why everybody that it has connected to Donald Trump in the past two or three years, their reputation is now tainted. Name one person that was either in his administration or connected to him in some way that has been fired or 
pushed away that their reputation is intact. They're all fucked. Sean Spicer, fucked. Gary Cohn, fucked. Uh, what was the general's name? McMaster, fucked. Uh, Who's that one? The guy now, John Kelly, his chief of staff. Like, all these guys who have massive amounts of respect. And this guy just... Kanye. He's ruined Kanye. We don't know that, though. That's what I'm saying. No, he ruined Kanye today. Eight million followers, dude. Black people are mad. Black people are mad. We don't know how many he gained. Well, this will be interesting to see how these albums are released and perceived. Uh, I believe he already has a single out. I'm talking about Kanye West, not our president. And um, let's see if any of these theories actually hold water or if this just blows over or, well, I guess we'll never know. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the walk-off where we have a special guest this week. We have... Someone very special because they have the dream job, right, guys? Don't isn't this the dreamiest job you could ever imagine? It's for me, yeah. It's one of the dreamiest. <laughs> yeah, this is a zookeeper. She's worked at the Wild Animal Park in San Diego, Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium in Tacoma, Washington, the Chaffee Zoo um, in Fresno, amongst many others. She's a wildlife warrior, ladies and gentlemen. Jessica Waters. Yay! Hello. <laughs> Dreamiest and dirtiest of all jobs. Is hey, hand in hand, dreamy and dirty. <laughs> Those are synonyms. All of Mike's dreams are dirty. <laughs> yeah, this, this is this is definitely the dream job for Mike, especially when you hate people as much as he does. Yeah, because I, and that's you know true. what? You think you get away from people working with animals, but you actually work with them quite a bit, oh, especially no. with the public. You're ruining okay. the dream. You're ruining it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thank go you. Go put some... yourself on a boat and be a be a researcher out in the ocean. There you go. There's your solitude. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. When Garrett uh, told us that you were coming on the show, honestly, we both had the same reaction of like, my God, that sounds like a cool job. Yeah, it really just sounds like a, and you're right, it does sound like a dream job. I mean, like when I was a kid, I used to get zoo books all the time. And yeah. like, how awesome was the job of being a zoologist? You get to work at the zoo with the animals and develop relationships with them. Now, I know it's not as as probably cool as it sounds, or it might be different than I might even think of what a zookeeper does. Can you tell us what a zookeeper is and does? It's definitely as cool as it sounds, but that's only about 15% of the job. So the other part is is the down and dirty part is the kind of filthy, stinky, you come home smelling like shit job. <laughs> but the rest of it is amazing. Even the dirty job is pretty amazing. Who didn't like to play in mud when you were growing up, right? So I get yeah. to do it as an adult. It's so, pretty fun. So like 15% of it is riding tigers, and then 85% is cleaning up after mm-hmm. all of the animal shit, right? Yes, riding tigers is definitely <laughs> what all zookeepers have done at least once in their life. Um, no, safe. it is it is fun, and you know, different zookeepers do different amounts of quote unquote the fun stuff. Um, so, as a marine mammal trainer, we get to do a lot more training with the animals. We can actually go swimming with some of the animals, which is really amazing. And that literally is everyone's dream job. Who does not want to go swimming with a sea lion? Yeah. Um, wow. Some surfers might tell you the opposite because it can get a little nippy out in the ocean. Oh. But, and yeah, then you have your reptile keepers, your elephant keepers, they all do something different. But, it is, you know, it's a little give, a little take, but it is all worth it in the end because the relationships, like you said, that we form with the animals, that is something that 
You may get a little bit with your cats and dogs at home, but when you form a relationship with an endangered animal mm. that most people never get to see in their entire life, have mm. never even heard of, that is what I take home oh, with that's me. That's beautiful. Yeah, that does sound like something yeah. to be proud of. Now, you mentioned that different animals have different types of trainers. Do you sense that there is a rivalry amongst the trainers themselves? Uh, against other animals, you know, kind of like a in like in the jungle, you know, there are apex predators and there are those that are hunted. <laughs> Do you find like that the, the antelope uh, keepers are much more intimidated by the lion keepers? You know what? I do feel like sometimes certain keepers are like, man, I wish I had your position. I knew it. My position's pretty cool, but and and then there's some that you know, some people grow up and they're like, I want to be a bird keeper. I love birds. It's what I want to do, and they're satisfied. Others, you know, they like different things, but then some people, yeah, some people strive to move around within the zoo, and it's all about your experience. You have to start somewhere. I mean, I was a bird keeper. I did that my first year, and at first I was like, well, this is going to be fun. You know, I don't I don't know much about birds. Like, are they going to be that fun to work with? But the more you work with the species of animal, the more you learn about it, the more you love it, and oh, yeah. I end up I'm a birder now. I'm I'm one of those nerds that ah. go out with like the retired folk, and I go bird with them. I just yeah. did it last week, and felt kind of silly, but also I'm owning it because now that I'm learning more about different species of animals, I'm loving it. Yeah. Now, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. You said birder. Did bird, you? Bird did you, nerder is bird nerder. More <laughs> bird nerder. Don't pick on her. I'm with so you. Bird, I'm with you. picking on her. Bird is when you go out and you search for birds. You know, and a lot of people walk a trail and they don't see anything, but there's wildlife all around us. And if you know what to look for, if you know the, the habitats to look for these species in, you're going to find animals everywhere you go, whether it be a bug or a mammal or a bird. There's stuff everywhere. We just don't look out for it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm a birder too. Go Hawks. But uh, <laughs> have you, working with all these animals, I'm sure you've worked with like a million of them. Have you ever felt in danger around an animal like working in the zoo? You know, surprisingly, the most threatened I've ever felt by an animal was an animal called a Victorian crown pigeon. It is <laughs> Australia's, it's the largest pigeon in the world. It's from Australia. They, they're as big as a bowling ball, literally, and rude just a little head on top and they're purple. And let me tell you, I worked with one called Violet. We called her Violent because Violet, Violet. she just wanted to attack us all the time. <laughs> what a dick. So I, I would avoid that aviary if you go to the zoo next. <laughs> Check. <laughs> but avoid the murder bird aviary. VCP, Victorian crown pigeon. They're wow. out to get you. They are. Yeah. Uh, so Jess, okay. So one thing that I'm very curious about as a zookeeper, um, there's a lot in the world right now as far as uh, endangered species, a lot of animals that get abused, and we see movies like Blackfish um, that frame places like SeaWorld differently than when we grew up. Why are zoos a good thing? You know, I'm glad you called it a movie and not a documentary because <laughs> – the word documentary means it actually is true, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't true. Um, really? Most of the things that you're watching in that documentary, or quote-unquote documentary, is fabricated. It is pieces of interviews cut and pasted to make SeaWorld look bad. But to be honest, there are, there are good zoos and there are bad zoos, but there 
any major city you go in and any big establishment like SeaWorld or like the, zoo, the zoos I've worked at that you've listed, the LA Zoo, things like that, they're all reputable establishments. They all have um, people coming in monthly, yearly to check their records, check animal care, everything, lots of insty little things you wouldn't even think of, diet, enrichment, training, and educating the public, all of those things factor into whether they get um, get uh, certified, whether it's accredited or not. So most of the big zoos are legit. They're good. They do so much for wildlife. Not only are we continuously educating people on a day-to-day basis, but when we put on a presentation, like a training demonstration, a show, quote-unquote, we're doing that to make you guys not only fall in love with the animals, but if you fall in love with the animals, you're going to want to take care of the animals, right? You're going to want to take care of their habitats in the wild. And there's a wonderful quote that I always live by, and it's, in the end, we will only conserve what we love, we will only love what we understand, and we will only understand what we are taught. And that is really what zoos are about on the education side of it. But on the other side, zoos do so, so much for endangered species around the world. We're not just a place where we house animals to show off to the public. We spend thousands upon thousands, and some zoos, millions of dollars a year on conservation efforts throughout the world and locally. You don't realize, you think of an endangered species, you think of something like, you know, a tiger, you know, way out in Asia. But we have endangered species all around us. We have, you know, frogs that are endangered in our backyard. Mm. So, you know, zoos not only contribute to local conservation efforts, but efforts all over the world. And SeaWorld, SeaWorld does more for animal rehab than any other facility out there. They just never really showed it off a lot until they had to. You know, a lot of places don't like to brag. And they didn't. And unfortunately, Blackfish came out, and that was their time to say, you know what, let's show you what we've done. And now they're kind of going out there, and they're saying, look how many animals they've rescued. They've rescued more marine species than any other facility out there. Specifically, mm-hmm. the killer whales. I, I, I mean, as a zookeeper and somebody that spends time with animals most of the time, I mean, you have to admit that it's not it's not healthy for them to be in a small little pool or live their entire life like that, though, right? You know, I will tell you from from my point of view and from the, the education that I have, I don't know killer whales. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they need in a captive setting to thrive. I know the animals that I've worked with. You know, marine mammals, a lot of people lump them together. I've worked with sea lions in captivity. Some people say they shouldn't be in a captive setting like that. But I know sea lions so well that I know what they need to thrive mm-hmm. in a captive setting. I can't, I don't know that about killer whales. I am not going to say, yeah, their habitat is suffice. What I will say is those trainers of those killer whales, those orcas are just like me. Yeah. They want, they want the perfect habitat for their, their animals in their care they want the best for that animal, and I bet you anything they're giving their animals 100% of what they can. Now, what I like to tell people when it comes to pro-zoo or anti-zoo is try not to think in black and white. Yeah. It is not a black and white decision. You don't have to be 
pro-zoo or anti-zoo. You can be in the middle. You can go to a zoo and go, that enclosure looks great. That's a great habitat for that species. And you can go to the next one and go, oh, I don't really like that one. Or like you mentioned, you can say, I don't mind the smaller animals being in zoos, but I'm questioning, is it okay for an orca or an elephant to be? You're allowed to say that. You're allowed to be black and white, and you're allowed to question. The only thing that I ask of everyone is before you make a hard, fast opinion, do your, do your education, do your research, you know, go out there and figure out, is it okay? Why is it okay? Why is it not okay? You know, go to a zoo and talk to a keeper. Nowadays, keepers are all over zoos talking to public and educating public. We are more than willing to talk to anybody about, about this type of, these types of things because we want to educate the public. Yeah, that's the, that's but you know the, what? They're, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there's, it's fine. There's roadside zoos out there that I would not, I don't even want to look at the sign to the entrance because yeah. I know they're handing out white bread and they're saying, throw it to our cat. Yeah. Obviously that's not good. So before you go to a facility, especially if it's a smaller unknown facility, just do your research and go online, see reviews, see if they're an accredited facility. AZA is, is the best kind of accreditation. It's the top accreditation you can have. Um, but there's also ZAA, and to be accredited, it, it takes a lot. I mean, you have to be breeding endangered species. You have to be donating thousands upon thousands of dollars. So just because they're not accredited doesn't mean they're not legit. You just have to do your research, and the same goes for when you're going to Thailand and you want to go see elephants. Yeah. I'm not saying not to do it, but you need to you need to kind of really look at yourself and, and see – what you're going to be doing and how it's going to affect those animals. Right. Yeah, and I can no. help you out if you ever want to go there. That I know sounds, some, some great places. That <laughs> sounds great. Now, switching gears, but kind of staying on the same theme, I suppose, of movies, uh, as you're probably aware, there is a re- revival of the Planet of the Apes movies, and they're big blockbusters, and they're very narratively satisfying. Uh, however, <laughs> there are people in some circles, I'm a member of many of them, that really do fear a primate uprising. I'm curious, since you work so closely with a number of primates, which of these primates are the most intelligent, and would they be the most likely to defeat humanity in an uprising? Um, I would say chimpanzees. I knew it. I knew it. No. I don't trust those cute, cuddly little guys. No. Orangutans are awesome. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Orangutans can be be pretty feisty, too. I worked with one that was was is out to get anyone and everyone if the opportunity presents itself. We had a, a little not-so-tug-of-war with my keys for about an hour because oh. she really wanted them. Um, but you can't play tug-of-war with an ape that's, what, 100 times your, your strength. Yeah, but, I think um, that would be unwise. Chimpanz- chimpanzees have, have something in their brain, and, and they you've all heard the stories about pet chimpanzees uh, yeah. ripping, ripping faces. faces off of their yeah. owners, but... It's definitely, I've never worked with a chimpanzee, though my email growing up was chimp mommy because that was my dream when I was young was to hand raise chimps right. before I, I knew better. Um, but yeah, I mean, not a lot of zoos nowadays have them and they're just, they're, they're an animal you got to watch out for, okay. for sure. I try, I mean, I tried to weigh a 90 gram red rough lemur, 90 grams, right? And I'm like, I can't even manipulate the arms. I'm like, this thing is. 
That's so yeah. wild. Okay. Okay. So you work with a lot of conservation uh, organizations. Uh, are you working with some right now or what can you lead our listeners to and us to? Currently, I am working with an organization called Action for Cheetahs in Kenya. Um, nice. Now, cheetahs are one of those endangered animals and there's different conservation groups out of different um, countries um, in Africa. So it's called Action for Cheetahs in Kenya. But you can easily do something like volunteering at a humane society, um, some kind of a rescue. Um, there's tons of them in every single city you go to. And a lot of times it's, you know, a few hours a week and you're just there to help feed and maybe walk the animals, maybe clean a litter box or two. Just very basic stuff. Um, if you don't want to get down and dirty, you can always donate um, funds or supplies towels and cleaning products are always needed mm. sometimes uh, food supplies i want you to think about your favorite individual animal you've worked with over your career the one you had the biggest connection with and i want you uh-huh. to imagine looking into their eyes and you for 90 seconds you have the ability to communicate and you can tell them something and they can communicate to you what would you tell them looking into your eye to this animal and if you could say their name to start that would be great you know what oh baby <laughs> avila I love you so much. <laughs> when I feed you those slimy, stinky fish, and they go straight into your mouth, and you just swallow them whole, it just melts my. Hung up on her. Oh, oh man! <laughs> it always feels so good. Don't you forget how good it feels, and then yeah. we do it, and you can you can tell they're getting into it. Yeah, anyway, yeah. that was uh, Jessica Waters. That one affected her. I can tell it affected her. <laughs> yeah. really did. She's oh, calling shit. back. Oh shit! She's calling. I'm gonna clear it. Okay. It might have been a chimp. I grabbed her phone. <laughs> you can find her on Instagram at Jungle Jess Conservation. Jungle underscore J E S S underscore Conservation. Uh, I'm Garrett Kirby. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Garrett P. Kirby or on Snapchat at GP Kirby. And I'm telling you guys, I'm fucking up Snapchat right yeah, now. He really I'm fucking is. That shit. He texts oh. us to have us look at his Snapchat. My name is Josker Joseph Herrera. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram, but don't do that. It's only pics of my kid. Or Snapchat, where I may or may not be fucking it up, at Josker Joseph, <laughs> as it's spelled J O S C A R J O S E P H. And I'm Mike Garcia. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Mike Garcia. You can follow this show, The Unsportsman, on Twitter at Unsportsman Show. Follow us on Instagram at The Unsportsman Show or on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Unsportsman Podcast. Uh, rate us, review us. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, guys, hey, tell a friend about us. We, we, we love you. We appreciate all you listeners. Really rate and review. Tell a friend if you enjoy us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.